Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 322 being recorded on, damn it, October 15th? That would be correct. 2014. Uh, I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Mara Tattleman. We have a totally messed up podcast for you here. Uh, Alan is gone someplace flying in the air with his wife to Texas. To Ebola land. Yeah, he's flying into... Oh, it's not Ebola. Into the hot zone. <laughs> it's it's gonna, not... Everybody it's really knows not. Alan is patient zero anyway, uh, and that's I how... I was patient zero. He, he's going to irradiate them all of That's Ebola. right. He's going to take all the radiation from his body and clean up <laughs> the state of Texas. over 15 years yeah. in a nuclear submarine. Uh, and Jeremy apparently just, like, missed the bus... Uh, he, he said he missed the uh, uh, what was it the uh, ferry, the ferry. So he wasn't going to make it in time. We'll see if he he I don't know if he joins later. Some magic will happen. Ken says no, but magic. You know, I'm just going to leave it open just in case. Uh, but in any event, we have some stuff we're going to talk about this week. It has been eh, modestly busy week in the world of PC hardware. Um, I will start out by saying. If you missed our live stream last night, you missed out on some exciting, exciting gameplay. Uh, and, damn it, Carl, you missed uh, the chance to win some prizes, and that's dumb. And you don't want to miss the chance to win prizes. Prizes like a GTX 980, an Asus ROG Swift G-Sync monitor, and an NVIDIA Shield tablet. We gave all those things away. Why, why didn't I watch? Well, oh, that's right. I'm not eligible to win. Well, you could have still watched. <laughs> Don't don't be angry about it. I mean, there's no there's no reason to be bitter. It's okay. Hey, come on! You just sent me a brand new GTX 480 last week for testing. So <laughs> <laughs> I got one from the warehouse at Nvidia's uh, storage facility and started sending them out to everybody that I didn't like. That's just that's yeah. just that's just how it happened. Um, but anyway, so if you missed that stream last night, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But you you screwed up, and how can you fix that? How can you make sure? We actually have a couple of ways now. Uh, I don't have a link to the, the other one, so I'll just mention pcper.com slash subscribe. If you go there, it's a page on our website. All it does is it gives you a little form here where we uh, uh, ask for your name and your email address, and uh, you subscribe to a little mailing list, and we send you a note whenever we're about to do a stream. Sometimes, if it's a special event, I'll give you a notification the day before uh, or a couple days before, and then again, like an hour before the show actually starts. And then I'll say, hey, we're going to give away some stuff. You probably want to participate. Literally, all you had to do to win yesterday was watch the stream. You had to fill out a form. You had to answer a very important question. But all you had to do was watch the stream and answer three questions, name, email address, and Ryan. Like Those are the only three things that you had to answer. So uh, if you missed out on that, good news is we'll have another one next week, another Borderlands stream next week where we're going to give away, get this, guys, I'm going to reveal the prize list now. Five SLI bridges, the new fancy ones. Mm-hmm. One Asus ROG Swift G-Sync monitor. And one Ooh. Acer XB280HK 4K G-Sync monitor. Ooh. So NVIDIA is stepping up their game on what they're providing for uh, giveaways, so make sure you tune in for that. And again, pcpro.com slash subscribe. Make sure you get uh, the notifications there. So how does uh, physics look in Borderlands? It looks good. There's a there's a lot of it, especially uh, like because it, the most of the game takes place on the moon. Uh, there's a lot of floaty shit. A lot of floaty shit. There's a lot of floaty yeah. stuff going around. Uh, enough that you know it, it. 
I think it even impacted, eh, well, I think I had my, we had VSync on, so it might have uh, hurt that a little bit. We have to have VSync on when we do a stream, otherwise you get weird tearing artifacts. Um, but it looked pretty good, uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Me and Chris and, and Coonrad played around in about 90 minutes or something like that. Uh, and uh, it's a funny game still. So if you're a fan of Borderlands or Borderlands 2, you're going to like Borderlands pre-sequel, obviously. Hopefully you picked it up. Also, we gave away some game keys yesterday as well, and we'll give away some game keys next week. Sweet. But anyway, um, reviews, I guess. I don't know. We'll talk about some stuff that happened. Uh, Lee posted a review of the Corsair HXI 1,000-watt power supply from Corsair. This is kind of like a redesign uh, of a very popular, very, very popular line of power supplies from Corsair. I like the – is that – what we call that a chamfered edge? Yes. It's a little big you've for been, You've obviously built a doghouse. <laughs> no, no, I just own an iPhone. So that's oh, okay. how I learned about chamfered edges. I, I don't even own an iPhone. Alan Are they Corinthian chamfers? Fine, fine. Corinthian chamfers on my phone. <laughs> um, 80 plus platinum on these power supplies. Super high efficiency, low heat. Corsair Link Ready, which is kind of the, the USB connection to your PC. Then you can use monitoring software for it. Zero RPM fan modes, which means uh, up to 40% of the PSU's load uh, without the fans even spinning. So you're talking about totally silent operation there. And low noise. Fully modular. You can see there on the back. A thousand watt continuous seven year warranty on these. Um, that's a few years. Yeah, that's that's a long time. It's a long time. Two hundred twenty nine dollar MSRP, so it is a little bit uh, on the pricey side, for sure. But you know, you know, you get for in power again. supplies, especially. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's definitely the case. And there was a time period not that long ago where you remember getting power supplies with cases. Yes, I do. And like wasn't that uh, HEC three hundred fifty watt power supply, Antec had like two hundred waters attached to it. You can get a two hundred fifty watt that you know it was high at the time. And you look at those damn things now and yeah. They weigh like forty ounces if most. It's interesting now because if you look at the the case in power supply market, it would almost be better now than it was then, right? Like Corsair makes great cases. Corsair makes good power supplies. Boom, combo some of those together. Antec makes good cases. Antec makes good power supplies. You know, you look at you look at um, XFX makes power supplies and they just started selling cases. There are other companies. Who am I forgetting that does that? I think Intermax sells both. I guess the idea is people are going to be a little choosy about which components they want. Okay, so well, not only that, but the, the quality of power supplies that we have now are so much better than what they were back then. So yeah. you could bundle a case that had, you know, edges on it that are going to slit your wrist without a problem <laughs> and they bundle in a 200 watt power supply and you can buy the damn thing for 35 or 45 bucks. Do you really think you can do one of those with you know, one of the, the, the you know, what a, like that big cube case from Corsair and throw on an H1000? I mean, what is the price of that going to be? That's probably going to turn a lot of people off. So yeah. segmenting and dividing those probably is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But, but now... Think of how much power you can, or how much compute you can get out of 350 watts if they put a small power supply in it. Like, I mean, that'll drive Haswell and a single GPU. Yeah, not, I mean, that, not, that might, not if you have a big CPU though. Well, I think I think it'd be all right. I mean, not overclocked. Um, I think what would be interesting is 
do they do that on like mini ITX designs, right? Where you, you're kind of power limited anyway. Like you, you know, uh, uh, you can only put so many graphics cards or so many, you know, watts of a, of a processor in a system if it's a mini ITX design. So maybe you couple that with a 500 watt power supply or something like that. But anyway, that, uh, that's the, what EVGA did with the Hadron Air. Yeah. Remember? EVGA did do that with the Hadron Air. That was a mini ITX, but I, that was more of a special case because it didn't take a standard power supply. So they kind of had to do it. Um, do you know what my first specialty power supply was? Uh, no. PC power and cooling, yeah. 510 watt. And it was one of the first SLI um, certified yep. power supplies out. And, and you think now that was a high end power supply for the time yeah and we accelerated quickly (laughs) yeah very very quick oh here's a 1250 watt uh thing that you can arc well now so yeah uh but the hx 1000i uh this is the one that uh lee rich reviewed they had the 850 and a 750i the i kind of indicating that it has that connection for the corsair link 229 189 169 uh did get a gold award the only weakness uh that doesn't support some of the advanced corsair link features like the ocp trip points uh if you are interested in that uh, fully modular cases fluid dynamic bearing fan for a long life a fan test button which is kind of nice so even though it's not spinning you can hit that button and make sure it actually would work when it was necessary uh 80 plus certified platinum 92 percent efficiency at 50 percent load so worth keeping in mind if you're looking for a new high-end power supply it's an interesting discussion right because you know you look at the 290X, it's using a lot of power. You look at the GTX 980, it's using a lot less power. When we did our three and four ways testing, which we'll talk about now, we do so uh, at like under 800 watts or something like that for four GTX 980s. So it's kind of interesting to see how the dynamic has changed where if AMD kind of follows suit, follows suit a little bit and makes a more efficient GPU in the next iteration, that you might need less power supply than you did a year ago or a year before that or a year before that. So, Yeah, but is this the top-end NVIDIA part that we will see? No, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> saying the need for a 1,000-watt or 1,200-watt power supply is going to go away. Uh, but, I mean, think about running four GTX 580s, <laughs> right, and how much power you need for that, or even 680s, right? You're talking about another 200 watts or so probably that you would need. Uh, on top of what we have with the 980. Anyway, let's talk about that. We did a uh, story where I looked at the performance of GTX 980s in three-way and four-way and two-way and one-way configurations, one-way being not SLI, um, where we tested, I got my hands on a full set of GTX 980 reference cards from various places we're not going to discuss, uh, but you can see them all sitting there on the uh, course on the Asus Rampage 6, 4, Look, extreme. it's the meat stack. It is, and uh, it's it's you and your meat stack. Even even if you don't ever buy it, or even if the performance is bad, that is still a pretty picture, right? Like if that were sitting in the window of a case, you know, I think maybe you need a fancier SLI bridge for that point. It should point out, Nvidia, if you're listening, you should have. You know what? You could drown a toddler in my panties if you saw that. I don't. That's not. <laughs> Butt sweat. Cut. Uh, <laughs> and now the podcast is over. Uh, anyway, I was going to have a really important thing to say here. <laughs> uh, NVIDIA, if you're listening, you don't have, they don't like, so they made those fancy SLI bridges that look really cool. They have, uh, you know, 
for two-card two SLI, three-card SLI, but they don't have four-card SLI bridges for that, which is kind of dumb because, like, the people that would spend enough money for four GPUs probably would spend $100 on a four-way SLI bridge that actually looks really cool as opposed to this kind of plain, boring PCB. So, you know, there might only be a dozen of them, but keep that in mind. Uh, enabling four-way SLI, super easy. I mean, it, it, the software side of this is is dumb now. It's it's not even a problem uh, for people. So uh, something interesting worth pointing out that was actually brought about when uh, we first posted this story and uh, had some comments asking questions about the scaling rates and how we worded uh, our explanation of the scaling rates. So as you add GPUs, the optimal multi-GPU scaling would be a perfect you know, 2x performance scaling, 3x performance scaling, 4x performance scaling, right? So this is how that would look. It would be a straight line or a 45-degree line, essentially. Uh, this is an example. If your single GPU performance was 14.7 FPS, Crisis 3 at 4K, uh, perfect would go to 29.4, and then you'd scale on up from there, right? If you look at it uh, in this direction in terms of performance improvement, per card added, it looks a little bit different, right? So uh, ideally, with two GTX 980s, you would have a 100% scaling improvement. Now, when you add in that third GPU, you're only really going to get 50% more performance possible, right? Because you're going from two cards to three cards, you're adding one card, they're pre-existed to 50%, therefore, the maximum you could get is 50% scaling there. If you go to four cards, that maximum goes down to 33%. There are already three cards in the system. You're adding a fourth, one-third of that, 33%. So um, it's important when you look at the results, when I say like, hey, you know, from one card to two cards, you got like 95% scaling, but from two cards to three cards, uh, you're only getting like 42% scaling. Well, 42% is actually pretty good. That's pretty close to 50%. Um, So keep that in mind when you look through these results, if you look at our review or anybody else's review, really, of a uh, multi-GPU uh, con- configuration there. So now I'm going to look walk through a couple of results, and I'm going to start with a good one. I'm going to start with probably the best result or the second best result in our in our testing. This is Crisis Three. Um, here you can see four different lines representing the performance of single GTX 980, two, three, and four cards. And you can see that there is definitely scaling going up from one card to two cards to three cards to four cards, and it seems to be pretty good actually. Uh, a couple of places where maybe it's not as good as others, but throughout the majority of it, things look pretty good. Uh, here's your frame times graph. Uh, very good performance by SLI, even with four cards, maintaining a narrow band of frame times. Very little stutter, very little uh, uh, variances there. Uh, and if you look at the FPS by percentile, again, if you look at this 50, 50th percentile mark, you kind of get an idea of where your averages are. Again, good scaling. Uh, and frame time variance, very, very low. Even at its you know, 95% level, you're under 3 milliseconds of, of frame variance for that 5% of the frames there. And then at 4K, things look actually a little bit better. Uh, and then if we go down here, so here's your, your average frame rates. Now that we know that everything looks good in these graphs, we can just look at average frame rates, and you can see things step up pretty well here. At 4K, you're going from 14.7 to 28.2 to 39.4 to 51.2. So all it takes is four GTX 980s, and you can play Crisis 3 at 4K at very high uh, quality presets. So who's ready to invest? You ready, Josh? Um, No. 
It's only $2,200 worth of video cards. I'd like to buy a new pair of shoes, please. Okay, well, think of how many shoes you won't need if you can Mm -hmm. play Crisis 3 at 4K at 51 frames per second. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that logic works exactly, but... No. You can just use 980s as shoes. Yeah, just use 980s as shoes, very carefully. Don't step in puddles. Uh, It'd be all right. So that is a good example. That is one of the best examples of 4K scaling working great, right? So now let's look at one that's not the best. Uh, let's look at uh, Battlefield 4. Here's a game where I, th- I expected it to be pretty good. Uh, and what you'll notice is the black line here and the orange line, which is the step from one card to two card, is actually a good jump. It is a noticeable increase in performance. But the green line and that pink line that represent... Um, Three and four cards uh, are not great, and you can kind of see why. You kind of have this blah of stuff on the graph that's actually hiding the smoothness of the orange line behind there. Uh, And you can see that, you know, when you start to look at these graphs, things look odd. The blue or the black line for single card looks good. The orange line actually looks really good for two cards. Three and four cards, uh, very modest average performance increases, and, you know, even when you get, like, to the 80th percentile, the frames are actually... You're getting 20% of the frames are worse with four GPUs than they are with two. So that is bad news there. Same thing happens at 4K, no real changes there. And if you look at the average frame rate graph, you kind of see some of that, right? Um, Two way... Did Nvidia say? Uh, did Nvidia say anything about that? Like, was it because of the mantle optimizations? No, no. I mean, this is running. This is running DirectX 11 code path and everything, right? So this is just. This is difficulty in multi GPU scaling beyond two cards. It is a tough problem to solve. It's it's. Everybody, th- it's not 100% on the driver. Although the driver could fix a lot of it, it comes down to the game developers, like building their engine in a way and building the game in a way that makes it capable of doing multi-GPU scaling. Um, so even up to a certain point, there are, there are some, there's at some point where NVIDIA's driver can do no more good or at least in any kind of a reasonable time frame or cost. Um, but if you look here at the, at the averages, you know, like you go from 58 to 94, it's pretty good, but then 94 to 110, not the best. And then it actually goes backwards a little bit when you add in that fourth card. Um, Bioshock Infinite's a bad example as well. If you look at Grid 2, I'll show that one real quick. We'll just scroll down to the average graph down here. You can see um, even at 25 by 14, scaling basically kind of stops after 2, or it stops being impressive. Uh, The other game that actually worked well, other than Crisis 3, was Sniper Elite 3, uh, which I'll just go ahead and scroll down here. You can see... You know, you're up to 350 frames per second at 25 by 14, highest image quality settings, so beyond necessary for sure. Uh, but if you have 4K, you know, you're running at just under 200 frames per second with four cards. Again, beyond necessary, but not totally outside the realm. Like two-way SLI gets you 100 frames per second. That's pretty good. Good Lord, that, that game does not require a whole lot of horsepower. It does not. It does not. It does not. I mean, one GTX 980, 4K, 55 frames per second. You're just supposed to do 4K surround. Yeah, do 4K surround then, exactly. So, um, you know, performance-wise, it is, uh, when it works, it seems to work pretty well. And when it doesn't work, it's really disappointing. So nothing really, in my opinion, nothing has changed in three-way and four-way SLI. It's kind of always been a, I don't know how you just say it, like, uh, like, 
a niche of a niche of a niche market, right? Like you have to know going in that this isn't going to work with every game. And in some games, it's going to make it worse. And you may want to turn off SLI or go down to two-card SLI, which can be pretty frustrating if you've invested in four GTX 980s and you're only going to enable two for Metro Last Light or Battlefield 4, right? That's kind of – that, that feels dumb. Um, but you can use one for PhysX. You could use two for PhysX. I don't think you can, yeah. actually. But, uh, <laughs> but here's that power consumption number, actually. And that's actually, I was, I was wrong. It's less than 700 watts for four GTX 980s running a four-way SLI. And this is uh, power consumption was measured using Crisis 3, so we knew that it was properly utilizing all four GPUs. Um, and, and it's in our best uh, case scenario there. Uh, sound levels, interestingly as well, jump up. Notice... Um, Sound level from one card to two cards doesn't really go up very much, 36 to 37 decibels. Uh, And that is because there's a two-card space between those two cards then, right? So the the primary card, the top card, has plenty of of air, uh, access to air coming in that fan. Uh, However, when you get into three-way and four-way cards, they're sandwiched together. They're very close. Um, Those fans have to spin faster to draw in enough air to keep the heat sink cool that's keeping the GPU cool, which means things get louder. And... um, it's interesting, right? Did so, you take the backs off of uh, this right here? I did. I actually tried it Ooh. both. I tried it both, and this is kind of an interesting thing, right? So um, the fan speed is – so with the back panel open, meaning that back panel portion here is removed, it is open to air, uh, fan speeds remain about 300 to 400 uh, RPM slower throughout this band, right, which is going to be a noticeable sound difference. Uh, and then temperature-wise, it doesn't look like very much in this graph, but it's about 5C, maybe 6, eh, maybe about 5C difference in there. Uh, we're looking at like 82 to 86, 87 degrees Celsius. Uh, and this was measured on the, um, I think the second GPU, so one that is sandwiched on both the top and the bottom, right? You're, you're suffocating it, and you're also trapping that heat on the back, Um and so it actually the this little design idea they had to have a backplate on it, but then make that portion removable when you're doing back to back card SLI does make a difference in your cooling, right? And then you know there are a lot of cards that are going to come out with 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 custom coolers that may not have this feature on there, but if you have one of the reference designs and you're running them uh, next to each other, it, it definitely seems worth it to remove them. Um, so here's our kind of summary graph, right? The multi GPU. Scaling graph, the blue, this uh, lighter blue line is the optimal one that I showed you. We talked about at the beginning of the discussion. You can kind of see how the games scale. This is two-way SLI, three-way SLI, and four-way SLI. And you can see down here at four-way SLI, you've got three games, Metro Last Light, Bioshock Infinite, and Battlefield 4, that basically are at zero or negative uh, scaling by adding that fourth card. So it's kind of a, of a letdown. But you got a couple up here. They're doing all right. You know, obviously, you just need a wider collection of games so or you just should buy two and be happy i i I, yeah i mean i think it is reasonable to say stop at two cards i think it's probably more reasonable to say only buy two cards if you really need two cards we've said it many times always buy the more expensive faster gpu single card than two less expensive you know, that have equal or slightly better performance, right? So we'll talk about SSDs and, hey, RAID 0 them together, you're going to double your performance, and, you know, you don't have a whole lot of stability issues. We'll debate that in a second. Um, 
but with 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 SLI with graphics, SLI can do some great things, and so can Crossfire. Uh, the problem is, is you run into this issue where sometimes you're not going to get the best possible performance. Uh, there have been a lot of complaints on like even Nvidia's own forums at GeForce.com that said, "Hey." Uh, uh, the Evil Within or Shadow of Mordor, they don't have SLI working yet. Now, NVIDIA will partly say, hey, we know we're kind of waiting on the game developer to do this one thing in a patch before we can actually enable it. You know, we're working on it. We kind of have a way to do it. Um, and, I mean, that's that's a valid excuse. I believe them when they say, like, Shadow of Mordor requires a game patch for SLI to function. But at the end of the day, gamers don't care whose fault it is. They care that they bought a second $300 or $500 video card and it doesn't work. Right? It's not doing anything. If you play Shadow of Mordor today and enable SLI, you get the exact same performance as you do with one card. So that that needs to be fixed too. And, and when you go beyond two, it's even more complicated and even less likely that you'll get uh, a return on your investment. So just for yourself, now that you have tested these, if you had 60 bucks, would you buy a single 650TX980 or would you buy two 970s? Would I buy a single 980 or two 970s? Um, so two 970s would be like what a hundred dollars more or so, maybe a hundred. And a single, yeah. yeah. Uh, I pro- in that case I might lean towards the two 970s because I think the performance delta of 970s and SLI over a single 980 is 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 going to be pretty drastic. Um, fairly, very measurable. And in the games where that works well, it's going to be great. In games where it doesn't work, a single 970 should provide more than enough performance for 1080p for sure, and 25 by 14 probably as well. So worst case scenario, you're running at a single 970. Um, Which that, doesn't suck that bad. Right, right. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like... <laughs> so I kind of just went back on my... Previous statement, but I just kicked the chair out from under you. You're hanging. But if somebody had yeah, said, "Hey, I can get uh, you know two GTX 770s, for example," maybe I don't. I don't know if this is the case. Maybe they match performance with a 980, or maybe they're 15 percent faster uh, in in a in one of those best case scenarios. Would you get two 770s or a 980? I would get the 980. But if you say, yeah. hey, two 970s are 60 to 65% faster than a single 980 in that best case scenario, then you maybe lean towards the, the pair of 970s. Again, I'm just making these numbers up. I don't, don't quote me on these. Um, so it depends on what that, what that delta is, I guess. But it's an interesting look at things, right? And so there's, there's yeah, still I, plenty I of work for everybody to do. I agree with you that two 970s, and especially with the way SLI tends to work and how well NVIDIA works really hard to support it. That's a, that's a nice combination for not a whole lot more. And when you're talking about, you know, three, uh, three monitors around, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's 1080 or whatever, uh, those two extra cards could make a nice difference in your uh, playability. They could, they could. Uh, so check out that review. It is on PCPer.com. Uh, a lot of results in there, a lot of numbers worth looking at if you you know, are, are looking down that path or just curious about what the crazy people with all the money do with three and four GPUs in a system. You can see now. Uh, let's take uh, a shift over here and talk with Maury. Uh, we don't often have Maury on here when we do his motherboard reviews. So this will be- Hey, that's uh, Maury. That's when the motherboard Josh. hits the case. <laughs> when the die shatters. And the, 
when you bend a pin or three, that's Amore. Uh, so this is a review of the Gigabyte Z97X UD5H motherboard. Uh, and I don't know, Amore, give me a quick overview. What are we looking at with this board? All right, so this uh, this Z97 motherboard is, is basically their channel series, kind of their mid-tier, upper mid-tier. It's not quite their high-end, but it's not their low-end. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, it has it has a really nice feature set. I mean, the looks of it is kind of weird. You know, some people have made some comments about that, that the Z87s did look a little bit better, and I'll agree, because this one's got a lot of gold on it. But it does have SATA Express. Yep. It does have M.2. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a nicely performing board, um, and it's got, you know, it's got like uh, six or eight SATA slots as well, depending on if you use uh, SATA Express slots as SATA Express or if you just use them as straight SATA. True. Um, the M.2 slot is really uh, that the one of the big nice things they did is the, is the um, placement of that M.2 slot. They actually put it right underneath the – they put it directly underneath the X1 slot that's uh, all the way to the right of the board. Uh, that allows you to get to that slot, no matter if you have uh, video cards in the board or not. It's it's um, you know because cool. most yeah most manufacturers will put that either like in between the primary and secondary slot or off to the side or something. But actually putting it between the primary slot and the CPU is is a really nice place to put it. Um, and yeah, I but mean, Maury, they the sacrificed they sacrificed the battery position. For M.2. No, no, the battery would have stayed there, Josh. I'm sorry. To say. <laughs> sorry. Um, no, it, on, on higher-end boards, you, you don't normally see that because you That is that's a sweet picture of that battery, Maury. Oh, Did thanks, you use Josh. macro on that? Or did... <laughs> up close. Up close. I love you, Maury. I love you. Uh, don't ever change. Yeah. Um, okay. They do do the uh, separated uh, audio... Uh, PCB, which is nice. Um, some boards are doing it. You know, sometimes in the lower end, they'll sacrifice that and not do it. Um, you know, they have the they have the dual BIOS. They have all the goodies that you see on a higher end gigabyte boards. Uh, the dual BIOS is always nice because if you blow a BIOS, you have another one. And I've done that a few times. Um, you know, it's it's just it performs Ooh, well. It, you know, what? Yes, it has the old points. onboard voltage points, which is also a nice 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 to have. Um, you know, it, it's it's a really nice board. I mean, the looks of it again are uh, not great, but you know, that's all personal opinion, right? Like, yeah. you, either, you either like that color yeah. scheme or you don't. I guess you know, and if you got a closed case, who cares? You got the features. That's true. Well, and well, and, and a lot of that stuff is going to be hidden by all your coolers and all that stuff once you install the board. I mean, you're going to have your CPU cooler, you're going to have your video cards. It's going to cover up a lot of that stuff anyway. Especially if you have so. a cooler like Mori, it's going to cover up a lot. Of those well, things. coolers, yeah. So here, here's that picture of the massive cooler installed, and uh, no issues with that primary PCI Express slot, even with the uh, uh, reactor, the unsightly reactor. bulge on the back of the video card. <laughs> the doomer. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. Um, well, never mind. Uh, which card is that again? Is that the Hawk? That Boring? is the. Uh, it's a Lightning, isn't it? Let me see. You know, it's a twin frozer. Hmm. No, it is a Hawk. You're right. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fun that's a hawk. I traded. Okay. Never mind. One thing you will notice with this um, is with that uh, the cooler I use. This is this is one of the last reviews I'm using the ND uh, NDH14 mm-hmm. on. Most of the new reviews use the NDH15. So um, the 15. The difference is that the the 15 is a little wider and it's got the weird cutouts. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, it's know. wider. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wider is better. 
Well, anything stand out with uh, the BIOS or applications or anything like that? The BIOS actually they use the same UFA, UEFI BIOS they've been using on their entire Z97 line. Um, <sighs> the, their Gigabyte's BIOS is really nice. I mean, they're they're one of the uh, few manufacturers that actually offer uh, 10 1080p mode. Hmm. Um, so your BIOS will actually scale to 1920 or 600 by whatever the 600 one is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, and you can, you know, you can color configure it and all this other stuff. I mean, it's got all the options. It's, it's, it's not laggy. It's very responsive. I mean, Gigabyte's BIOS is, is, is of the same quality of, as Asus's BIOS. You know, they've come a long way. Cool. Uh, you know, you don't have to do any of the control F1 shift and twirl to get the advanced features anymore or anything. You know, they, thank God they got rid of that. Nice. Wait, you, um, did you just say shift and twirl? Yeah, you remember that whole thing on Gigabyte boards you had to kind of do this weird key sequence to show the advanced features, the overclocking features? I do kind of remember anymore. that, yeah. I remember yeah, the old ones. Yeah. It's like shift F11, but I don't remember shift and twirl. That sounds... Do you have that button? I was, I was adding some my own flair there, Josh. Sweet. That is some sweet, yeah. sweet flair. So, Maury, what does, where does this board fit in the pricing Scheme then the pricing scheme. This is this is a very nicely priced board. It's um, about one hundred and one hundred and seventy to one hundred and eighty dollars. Okay. So I mean, for all the options you get, you know, you can do SLI on it, um, two two card SLI. You don't want to do three card because you you know you lose out on performance on that third slot, and that third slot also shares bandwidth with the M.2 and with the USB. You know, on the Z, that's the one Achilles heel of the Z ninety seven boards is that. When you start stacking things on the PCIe uh, video cards, you know, or video bus, mm-hmm. you start losing functionality of stuff on a board. You know, you lose M.2, you lose, you right. could lose SATA slots, you could lose USB. You know, so but that's I, just I because think, of uh, yeah. PCIe I, I think lanes. for for a hundred and seventy five to one hundred eighty dollars motherboard, you're probably looking at people who are not investing in. Certainly not in three graphics cards. Probably, maybe even not two. It does support two-way SLI, and it, I think it says three-way crossfire. But that again is going through that extra, uh, the PCI Express from the chipset, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but and it also, yeah, but I mean, also, this does have two PCI slots. Yeah, that was a weird thing. I, I think that that's something you see on channel boards. We we have asked. I have asked other manufacturers about that, and the tagline they give us is that. These channel boards are made for – they're kind of made to, for corporate, so they're kind of catch-all boards. You know, mm-hmm. they go to corporate users. They go to regular users, everything. Corporate users like those um, PCI sure. – they like the PCI slots because they still have PCI cards they use for whatever. I still have a PCI sound card Josh using has a, right now. Josh has a PCI um, 56K modem, modem yeah, that I attach for my video. He's got to snatch those porn BBSs still. Oh, well, you know what? Dip in. Uh, all right. Getting out. So that, that, that's 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 a pretty decent motherboard for again for the one hundred seventy seven dollar price point. That is the Z ninety seven X UD five H from Gigabyte. Uh, Maury has a bunch of other stuff in his review. If you want to go check out all the uh, bio screenshots of software screenshots and descriptions of what it does, uh, the benchmarks, device testing, all that kind of stuff, and overclocking results as well. And and it and it did get a silver award because I mean it re- there was really nothing wrong with the board. I mean it's you know the CMOS battery placement. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I mean it, it did the one the one thing that that was lacking that was kind of odd with that was the missing Wi-Fi controller. Um, because I mean, usually on those mid to mid 
high range boards, they start adding those kind of things on. But I think because it had M.2, because it had SATA Express, and it had the extra SATA controller, because uh, they had an a- I think they had either is AS Media or Realtek um, SATA controller on there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of start swapping things out. So, mm. uh, Alan's not here. We're going to talk about storage anyway because it's an important story, and he abandoned us. Uh, now that the fix is in, you know, (sighs) it's very sad. Uh, so we had talked about many times on this podcast, the issues with the Samsung 840 Evo SSD and this weird performance degradation. If you had data that was written a long time ago, not even that long ago, like three, four weeks ago, and you tried to read from that again, it was, it was slow down sometimes drastically. So into the double digit megabytes per second, instead of the several hundred megabytes per second that it was supposed to be. Um, as of yesterday, Samsung released the fixing As tool. of today, supposedly. As of today, it's out. Okay. Yesterday, yeah. we posted about it, but it's now available publicly. Is uh, it actually? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Alan links to it in the, in the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it is a performance restoration tool and a new firmware. So I'm going to leave you guys to go read what the kind of semi-technical explanation is for it. Think of it mainly as voltage drift. And um, I I would assume the firmware is changing the way that it checks for those drifts uh, and and doing it in a more intelligent manner. So even if it does drift, it's not checking it over and over and over again, saturating the SOC and thus slowing performance down incredibly drastically. Um, The update procedure is apparently pretty simple. The one that is out today has to run on Windows, and the drive has to be a single drive, uh, and it has to have a partition on it. There's a lot of weird things going on. And essentially, even though, see, we tested a whole bunch of these SSDs uh, with this update and then performance results, the tool itself uh, actually will update the SSD to a new firmware. And then you will shut down the machine all the way, and then you reboot and it will continue on with what it calls the performance restoration part of it. And no one's, we're not quite sure exactly what it does because it's not doing it through Windows. It's not sending a bunch of rewrite commands through Windows. It's doing it all internally. And we're able to verify that it was doing something at the very least uh, by looking at, so this is, this is what Windows Task Manager sees when this drive was actively going through this restoration process. It shows zero disk activity. However, we were monitoring the voltage to the SSD, and you can see here uh, that for this, what is this, four to six minute time period, it is actively doing a bunch of stuff. It's using two and a half watts or so of power throughout this whole process. And so we know that it was doing something, and Alan's guess is that it's basically, you know, read writing i forget what what did he say samsung called it like um getting the 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 storage back into the state that it shipped at or something like that our guess is that it's basically reading and writing everything once it's basically going through and rewriting everything you know over itself so that you have to have a certain amount it. of space available you have to, to have at least 10 percent drive capacity, which Alan's actually confused by because if it's doing what he thinks it's doing, it should need very little space to do that. But I'm sure they're just, they're, they're erring on the side of caution for all that stuff. Um, 
So once it's all done, this is kind of the fixed performance result. This was actually the drive that we were using for quite some time uh, as one of our game storage drives on our GPU testbed. Uh, and you can see here we have performance now between 300 and, you know, 300, it's about 340 gigs or so per se- uh, 340 megs per second uh, straight across. No issues anymore with, uh, with performance. So it's out there and it works. There are some caveats. Um, if you're a Mac user, you're going to have to wait longer. If you're a Linux user, you're going to have to wait longer. Uh, what's that? Yeah, if, if you love your data, you might want to wait longer. <laughs> well, you should always – so they, the, this should be safe, but we had an instance where all of my data was deleted. Alan deleted all of my data on my 500 gig uh, 840 Evo, uh, and then he didn't back it all up. So what I would recommend is that you back up all of your data before you do this. And, that's, I, and I know that it's a huge pain in the ass to do that because you've got to find another drive. You've got to mirror it. We're lucky enough here that we just have kind of hardware sitting around. Most people aren't like that. So the, the idea of, oh, just mirror your 500 gig SSD is more complicated than it, than it should be. Um, but Good thing you got fiber there. Yeah, we, we re-downloaded all of our again. Steam games. It was like 123 gigs in like 36 minutes or something oh, like that. Oh, you suck. Yeah, Just it, it, use Ghost. It actually only peaked out this time at like 78 megabytes per second download speed, so I was a little disappointed. Oh, that's awful. I know. Oh, I know. terrible. Think about writing my congressman. Um, <laughs> uh, also, RAID. If you, if you are one of the people that listen to us occasionally say, hey, you know what? If you're going to get a 500 gig uh, SSD, maybe get two 250 gig drives and put them in a RAID 0 array. They're much more reliable now. Uh, and, you know, as long as you don't have your mission critical stuff on there, you should be okay. If you are running uh, 840 Evos in a RAID array, you cannot run this tool either because it doesn't show up in Windows as that drive. It doesn't show up as a single partition. Uh, and so if you want to update those drives, you'll have to you know, mirror your array onto another disk, a hard drive or something, uh, break your array, change so the So you've BIOS. given really, really wonderful advice, right? Yeah, no. I, yeah, just RAID I'm everything. totally going back on it now. I'm, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to say RAID 0 is a great idea anymore. I mean, it's... Look, I mean, this is a very rare case. Like, if you're doing this with other SSDs, the Intel SSDs or uh, Silicon uh, Motion or IndyLinks, Barefoot, whatever, like, you wouldn't have any of this issue. This is a very odd issue for a unique flash combination, right? It's a TLC memory issue, um, which leads us to the last point, which is if you have an 840, a Samsung 840, not an 840 Evo, uh, and you have this issue, we have no answer for you. Uh, Samsung has not released an update tool for that. They have not even really acknowledged that that is a problem or something that they're working on. So uh, we're asking questions uh, in that regard as well. So the tool is out there. Um, if you are worried, if you're running Linux or Mac, you're going to have to wait for an ISO file that you will boot off of and it will do all this supposedly um, without operating system independent. What was that, Ken? End of the month. Yeah, and, and they say it will be available at the end of the month, which is only a couple of weeks away. So I, I, if I were you, and if you're in a RAID, it's possible that, that ISO might be able to do that as well, iffy, because the ISO would have to be able to recognize the RAID drive without drivers. I don't, I don't know how that will work. But um, if you're running these in a RAID, I would wait for the ISO and see if it says it supports that. Uh, and then maybe you'd have less work to do manually to well, get that done. Yeah, 
Right, right. With the yeah. raid too, though, you could just uh, make a ghost of the raid of of your of your drive, and then uh, and then just split it and run that too. I mean, it's not perfect, but because I mean, ghost still works. I mean, I use ghost on Windows eight, Windows seven. It still works. It's you got to have a DOS boot USB drive, but it still yeah. works. It still recognizes stuff even through X ninety nine chipset. It recognizes stuff. So as RAID arrays, though, if you set up a RAID array, uh, it should still see it. I mean, it's it's, it's iffy. RAID it's, array is it, well. I mean, it, to to the uh, you know to that it's an NTFS mount. You know, uh, or, it, depends, or a, it depends on the controller and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's iffy. It's the truth is it's pain in the ass, um, and this sucks. It sucks that you have to go through this process. It sucks you have to back up data. It sucks that you should be backing up data anyway, though. It, it sucks if you have Raid Array. It sucks if you have an 840 and none of this applies to you yet. Um, but at least they got it fixed out. They got it out relatively quickly. Uh, and what we're going to do now is we've run the fix and we've uh, put some more data on these drives. And we're going to come back in like three weeks and see if performance is still good. Right? Is this a permanent fix or is this a one-time please get off our backs fix? Uh, and that will be what's interesting. Uh, and that, that's a question they really need to answer if they plan on releasing like an 850 Evo, for example, right? There will be, if they were to release that product, there would be a ton of questions about, well, what about the 840 Evo? Why would we trust Yeah, but that now? architecture is so different. Yeah, but people don't the care. It's got TLC, the word Evo on the end of it. Vertical. Mm. It's still TLC VNAND. Yeah, but VNAND, I mean, that throws a big wrench. It makes it more complicated. In the physics. It makes yeah. it more complicated, and they weren't able to predict that this would happen, right? So I think it justifiably puts a lot of questions in people's minds about uh, that stuff going forward. So, But we'll see, and now we have another thing to look at. Now Alan will be tasked with, hey, Alan, put a 30-gig file on that drive and put it on the shelf Mark a date on it for when you put that file on that drive, and let's go check it week one, week two, week three, week four. Just, you know, hey, he needs stuff to do, so it's fine. Oh, yes, we all need get stuff him, to do. Keep him occupied. Get him, keep right. him occupied. All right, let's run through some news items um, relatively quickly. We already talked about this a little bit, the Borderlands. Uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel game stream that we held on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, uh, hosted by NVIDIA, powered by NVIDIA, hosted by us, I guess. But uh, they donated some prizes, uh, game keys, hardware, like I said, a Shield tablet, a GTX 980, an ROG Swift. We gave those away to people who just watched us play video games. Literally me and Chris Ray and Andrew Coonrad, who are guys at NVIDIA that are awesome. Uh, we played Borderlands for like 90 minutes, and we made uh, penis jokes and stuff. And, uh, all you know, I don't know, I thought it was funny, but... I guess I'm supposed to think it's funny. And we had a good time. We gave away hardware and we talked about the game. And uh, I, think it's, I think it was fun. And we're going to do it again next week, next Tuesday. I'm almost sure it's going to be at the exact same time, which would be 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Not confirmed yet, but I'm almost positive that's what we'll do uh, on October 21st. And we'll have two monitors to give away and some SLI bridges as well and some game codes. So, um Stay tuned for that. And again, if you didn't sign up at pcpar.com slash subscribe for that mailing list, there's another reason why you should. <sighs> Damn it, Lenovo. Um, they announce a bunch of stuff. When Lenovo announces stuff, they just like, it's, it's stuff. It's, it's stuff that you they like. They just dump it's it on the table. They just flop it down on the table and go, here's all our stuff. Take it. Like it. Uh... 
Feel the keyboard. They don't. You know you want to. They're, they're not usually that aggressive about it. I mean, they're really kind of gentle at first, you know, and they take you out to dinner at the very least, right? And so, then they bring out the 50-gallon fifty shades thing of, of lube and <laughs> jump in. 50 shades of space gray. Um, yeah. So what did they announce? Oh, my gosh. The new Yoga 3 Pro and Yoga 14 tablets. What's that? Core. Oh yeah, that's right. These are core M based, so that's why they're cool. Yeah. Thank so you. they're they're fourteen nanometer. Yes. Broadwell. Look at that hinge. It Look is a the watch size of that band hinge. It's a work of art. It is kind of cool looking. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so and Yoga Two. Constructed. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yoga Two Pro, seventeen percent thinner than the previous Yoga Two Pro. I'm sorry. Yoga 3 Pro is 17% thinner than Yoga 2 Pro. It's 14% lighter at only 2.62 pounds. Uh, Lenovo attributes the size and weight reductions to its new watch band hinge, which uses 800 pieces of aluminum and steel to achieve a thin yet flexible hinge with six focus points that resembles a metal watch band. Uh, It's a 13.3-inch, 3200 by 1800 resolution screen. Yeesh. Yeah. And it's got a 720p webcam. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> We're gonna spend money where it counts. Oh man! Uh, two USB three ports, one USB two port, a DC input, one micro HDMI out, and one audio combo jack. That's pretty good for that thin of a what is it? Half inch thick laptop. Half an inch. Two point six pounds. It's pretty impressive. Core M seventy Broadwell processor. This is twenty. This is fourteen nanometer. Um, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty nice. Lenovo claims nine hours of battery life, depending on usage. We'll see. You know, that's the problem when you get the really thin designs is uh, battery size becomes an issue. You know what I'm talking about, Josh? You know what I'm talking nope. about? Nope. I don't know a thing you're talking about, and I don't get that innuendo. Okay. And then Yoga 14 is uh, like the more business-centric. It's a 1080p screen, uh, 4.1 pounds. Ugh. Uh, oh, it's eight, so heavy. 0.82 inches thick. Oh, my God. God, it's going to weigh down my shoulder. It does, not have have a watch, it does not have a watch band style hinge. Oh. Boo. Uh, but anyway, the Yoga 14 is $1,100, and the Yoga 3 Pro will be $1,349, starting at, of course, depending on the, uh, the hardware you get there. Now, on to tablets designed by Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He didn't is, realize he went to MIT for electrical engineering. Yeah, it's weird. Unlike Miss Lisa Sue, who did not design the Lenovo Tablet Two tablets running Android or Windows. Um, so the Yoga tablets, despite I'm not really grasping the name combination that uh, Yoga like they shouldn't be called Yoga probably right it was just a different kind of tablet but it was it was an interesting design um, with the kickstand that it had on it uh, and the kind of uh, the the weird what would you call that like a the battery but like the tube shape on the side of it that was actually doubled as storing battery large battery and uh, as like a handle um, so they, they're, they're updating those. You can see here they've got an 8-inch Android, a 10-inch Android, and then an 8- and a 10-inch Windows device as well. Um, the, they're running the Intel Atom Z3745. Hey, Do you notice something interesting there? What, this picture? No, scroll oh, down. Yep, okay, gotcha. The Windows machines mm-hmm. are heavier. 
that Windows license um, it really weighs it, it down. Adds it down. It weighs it down <laughs> just a little bit. I don't. Why would that be? There's too many bytes. I mean, it, it's so it, much less efficient. Is it, is it is a it, larger battery? It's the Windows sticker. The Windows sticker. Yes, it's the Windows sticker. Okay. It's the weight of Bill Gates' disdain of you. Both the eight inch, the tablet. both the eight inch and ten inch displays are nineteen twenty by twelve hundred. Um, eight megapixel rear camera. Backside illumination sensor, or I don't know what that is. Uh, again, Atom Z3745 SOC. It's a quad core Bay Trail part at 1.86 gigahertz, <clears throat> two gigs of DDR3 memory, and then you've got internal flash storage or AO211BGN, Bluetooth 4, battery life up to 18 hours. Uh, and they are and the the Android ones are uh, 4.4 KitKat powered Windows obviously Windows 8.1 with one year of Office three what's uh, Jeremy call it uh, Office 358 so it should be good there um, those are cool looking that that's an optional accessory by the way that keyboard in that picture so well one thing I have heard about the Android tablets is sometimes upgradability of them to the later uh, Android operating systems is questionable yes so that that's really the question to ask about that is because they're about they just released lollipop right right yeah that's true 4.4 is is the most recent publicly available version of the operating system so that's actually good and i think when we got the first yoga tablets they were already behind a point release when we got those then so uh, depending on when these actually ship um yeah and, and i would agree with that i don't i don't know if i believe we'd have to check i don't think the yoga tablets ever got operating system updates from Lenovo. If they did, then that's go check. I mean, we can check if they did, we, we can look that up and we've still got those tablets here and check. So I would agree. Yes. For, for things like this, being able to count on support for updates for other operating systems is, is kind of important. So, uh, and then finally from Lenovo, the yoga tablet two pro. So, so you had the yoga pro yoga three pro. We had the yoga tablet two. And now we have the Yoga Tablet 2 Pro. Um, and this is, again, a, a similar design, but it is a higher-end hardware, right? So it's a 13-inch tablet. Um, it is it's a similar form factor, but uh, 2560 by 1440 IPS display, right? What's that? 13-inch. 13.3 inch, yeah. Uh, it has a subwoofer in the tubes on the side. It has a subwoofer. And, the subwoofer and is a series of tubes. It is. Lenovo no. has added a Pico projector exclusive to the Tablet 2 Pro that is capable of displaying 854 by 40 resolution images at up to 50 inches and between 40 to 50 lumens, which is very low on the lumens. That's scale. just enough lumens for you not to be able to see it at all. <laughs> External I.O. includes Thank goodness Kusher was there to yeah. integrate yeah. that it's, feature. It, the, the, the odd thing with the specs on that is that it, they named it that it would be uh, almost be a Microsoft, um, what is it, the, the Microsoft Surface Pro competitor, but the, you know, the hardware mm. specs don't. Yeah, it's an Intel it, it's, Atom part. It's yeah, got the same I, processors as the last tablets we just discussed. I mean, you, you'd, think, you'd think that they would try to... You know, they, they want to do something like that, like make a pro competitor, a Surface Pro competitor, or something. Um, it's also running I mean, Android and not Windows. Wait, what? 
So a wait last. The tablet is running Android 4.4 KitKat so rather than Windows 8.1. <laughs> well, that's stupid. Uh, so now it's an Android device with a Pico projector. Oh, God. Now I'm curious. Now I want to know. Uh, this one will be $499. Uh, or while you first have- had my attention. <laughs> now you have my curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this one's four ninety nine. Keep in mind that the the other ten uh, inch tablet, the one that doesn't have the subwoofer or the Pico projector, is two ninety nine. So the two hundred dollar premium gets you larger, higher resolution display, better audio, a projector, and a little bit more internal storage. And Boy, that sounds stupid. But it's got a Pico projector. But how much does it cost? Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Remember when we had that gigabyte uh, SFF system with the little projector on it? Uh-huh, yeah. You held it in your lap and you projected on the ceiling? Yeah, that was kind of gross. I, I think that was more than 50 lumens. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Anyway, so that's, that's Lenovo's news. Uh, let's talk about AMD ARM NFV. Do we have to? I don't know what that is, so maybe not. AMD ARM, uh, oh gosh, you know, I didn't read Scott's article. Hyro Falcon SOC. Okay, it's their it's their 64-bit ARM CPU SOC, and uh, they showed it off in kind of their uh, that is the coolest SOC nickname network nickname functions virtualization solution. Nice. <laughs> nice. So basically, it's 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 a 64-bit SOC used in network backbone type applications. It's low power. High performance, 64-bit, which, you know. Does anybody know what NFV stands for? It Scroll up. Okay. Network. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm Network very familiar with functions that. virtualization. Okay. Uh, so essentially, this is a high-powered networking chip that will do that whole 10 gigabit thingy. Virtualizing a mobile packet core running subscriber calls. So this is a solution aimed at telecoms for use in communications network backbones where AMD believes an ARM solution will be offer will offer reduced costs, both initial and operational, and increased network bandwidth. I just think they should have saved that code name for something that I'd have been more excited about. This Hero Falcon is kind of cool. Cool name. Hiro Falcon. Hiro. Hiro. Uh, okay, moving on. Samsung announces 60 gigahertz Wi-Fi's. Um, is this Y gig? I guess yeah. So uh, th- well, Y gig. Samsung, a member of the Y gig alliance, announces that they have uh, achieved 4.6 gigabits, otherwise known as 575 megabytes per second, under the 802.11 AD standard. They have quote overcome the barriers to commercialization, which is which is good, I guess. So you can actually sell it. Um, so 60 gigahertz. It has so basically, if you're in the same room without any walls, it's going to be great. I like this. I like this part from Scott. The band has several disadvantages, including resonance with oxygen molecules. <laughs> <laughs> and it works op- best in an environment with only helium. And, and its opacity to many solid objects, also known as not going through walls. Yeah. Right? So there's that. So if you're in a vacuum room... <laughs> 60 gigahertz. That's a lot of gigahertz, right? It is. Beamforming in particular is particularly useful for uh, offsetting (laughs) these line of sight properties, right? So So instead of running uh, Ethernet cables over your house, you'll have antenna cables running to each room. (laughs) 
Yeah, but you got to you got to point them in the right area. But uh, I mean, the idea of getting uh, SATA SSD speed throughput wirelessly is awesome. Like it's hard not to want that, and like that actually might like in our environment that I'm sitting in now would actually be very useful. We have a giant open office space with no walls. Uh, we're all on one floor. Uh, and Do you breathe noble gases? <laughs> we don't pump. We we siphon oxygen now and pump in uh, helium so that we talk a little bit higher when we do the podcast. My voice is usually much lower than this. Um, and so uh, I don't know. I'm still, you know, they got to they gotta do something. They'll figure it out. I, I think the idea is that it's 60 gigahertz within a room and then... You have like, Ethernet between them or, or something. Or 5 gigahertz or 2.4 or something communicating between the two. Okay. And only... Point to point in that room will go that fast. I'm okay with that. That's you can still you can do interesting things with that. Even if you have like home theater equipment that doesn't have doesn't need wires anymore, right? Like the idea is you set your laptop down on your desk and your monitor and your external storage device uh, all communicate through the wireless network very close locally, and it's just. You know, no ox- there's no oxygen between your laptop and the monitor. I'm sure, so it should be fine. Um, but I mean, that's I mean, it's not for a whole home network, I guess, right? Hey, you know, if you're in a room with a really talkative person, then that oxygen thing is it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, Intel made some money this quarter. No. Yeah, they did, and I know no. I, I can tell when Intel makes money because we see this image on the website only. Uh oh. Oh, not not the <laughs> oh, white. Oh, gate. there we go. <laughs> there you have it. All right. We see When's this image on the website whenever Intel makes a lot of money. The only that's, time that's that Intel has not made the PC is dying. It's dead. They can't it make is. money anymore. Yeah, but the only time they did not make money in what the past decade was when AMD successfully sued them, and they got a couple of billion dollars one quarter from them, and that was the only time Intel dropped into the negative because they had to pay out. What two point five, two point nine billion dollars to AMD, and what did AMD do with that? I don't. I, don't, I mean, they really probably spent it on something. Burned through it. Burned through and paid off some debt. Hired some more people. Oh, <laughs> oh no! And then they fired them. Fired them when Rory came around. And now, um, he's so anyway. <laughs> so anyway, it, it. We can go into the story. Intel had the best quarter. Yet in the history of the company, that's impressive. What fourteen point five five billion dollars? Three point three billion in net income. Mm. Um, they shipped one hundred million processors <laughs> this quarter. One hundred million. That's a lot of processors. Any breakdown on core versus Atom versus? Okay, Fly? you know, as Maury was talking about, the PC market is dead. Who, yeah, we're in, we're in the post PC market, which of yeah, course yeah. highly <laughs> resembles the PC market. Um, <laughs> it's doing very well. They they made something. I mean, this is this is desktop PCs. This is notebook. This is uh, convertible PCs. Things like that. Nine billion dollars of their revenue came from that. Nine, nine billion, billion. three point five, three point three to three point five billion came from servers. With those big old 
big ass Xeon processors. Yeah, but ARM will that, just take it over, so it's fine. It's Whatever. the cloud, man. Everything's going to the cloud. Yeah, and you know what? The cloud works, unfortunately, so they're going to make some money there. They do. Yay, Intel. So um, um, is there anything in this story about how much money they gave to us? No. Mm. Uh, well, actually, they kind of did. Okay. Um, a lot of low-cost tablets. No, no, money they gave to us. They didn't. They, you know, they, they may have uh, distributed money to shareholders, but are you a shareholder? I'm not. I just wanted a fat they, check. They did not give any money. <laughs> One okay, billion you know is what? all I want. Here's the bad problem with <laughs> Intel. Their processors are doing great against AMD, mm-hmm. and so they don't sample as much. Why sample if a you, couple extra 10 or 15 processors when we could save that money and still get the same coverage? Well, I mean, why do you need coverage if, you're go- if you win everything all of the time? Exactly. And right. so, you know, marketing. That's well, yeah. well, also, though, innovation tends to suffer, too, because they are in a dominant position. They can control how fast innovation goes, so there is no market pressure for them to innovate yeah, well, faster. Let me, let me ask you this, though. Honestly, mm-hmm. how have they lacked in innovation over the past five years? I would I would say that the move from Sandy Bridge to Ivy Bridge to Haswell has been modest in terms of performance. They're At lacking best. innovation At on best. the high performance side, not on the low power side. They're going where the direction they want to go on the low power side. But on the high performance side, I think they're lacking. Well, I guess I can kind of agree with that. I mean, Good. still, but they are still leading... They the are. world in process technology, and those yes. savings are kind of coming to us. Even though they're making a higher margin, we can still get a really nice performing CPU mm-hmm. for not a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, so wait, hey, unless of course uh, you're hey. talking about the nine hundred ninety nine dollar X ninety nine based uh, cores, <laughs> they're making some nice margin on those puppies. Hey, hey Josh, you may have solved what? the conundrum with. Uh, ID4 uh, Independence Day where they were able to hack yep. into the alien ship with the Mac because the alien ship was probably running an Intel processor because they didn't innovate and the Mac had an Intel processor so there you go mm-hmm. I'll just roll with that one Murray <laughs> or Maury uh, so yeah, Intel, makes, no. Intel makes Intel uh, makes uh, as you say in the title Mucho Dinero Mucho Dinero but there is yes a bitter spot for Intel. Please. And this is exceptionally bitter. They made a lot of money. Their their processors Doesn't did sound very bitter good. yet, but go ahead. Except in mobile. Yeah. So, their care? mobile unit made 1 million dollars in revenue. And net revenue. <laughs> and that was down 98% from last quarter. Wait, what? So, um, tablet chips and um, handheld chips made until $1 million in revenue. Profit. No, I'm, I'm saying that's revenue. There's they no lost way. They one only billion made a million dollars on They lost $1 billion this quarter with that division. They let me let me rephrase this. Wait, they wait, lost wait. one billion dollars this quarter with that division. Uh, 
does mobile count tablets? That that is some tablets. Yes, yes. Maybe not the Lenovo's ones that we talked about, <laughs> but the ones that we have currently. I find that and almost impossible to comprehend. Because so essentially, pennies on the dollar that they sold these chips to, to the guys who integrated yeah, them okay. into their so tablets. they're just giving it away yeah. to get try to gain market share. Exactly. And they've been working with Google to get better support in Android. They've so been working with... Go ahead. Even if they lost a billion dollars in mobile, they, you know, still, like made, they still made $3.3 billion total. Yes. All right, cool. I'm okay with that. You know what? They are They are the market loss leader, right. and they're proud of it. Let's move on. Okay. I, I'm tired of talking about how much money we don't have. Yeah. Uh, Nexus 6 and Nexus 9 were announced. The Nexus 6 is a phablet, and I hate that word. It's a phone. It's a large phone, but it's a phone. It is uh, built by Motorola. It is a 5.96-inch screen, so not quite 6 inches. Uh, so about average again, Josh. Um, with a resolution of 2560 by 1440. Uh, pixel density of 493. I find that interesting only in that the, uh, the 6 Plus, iPhone 6 Plus has, what, a 1080p screen? So in- an interesting change there. Uh, this has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 805. It's got 2.7 gigahertz, up to 2.7 gigahertz. It's got the Adreno 420 graphics, capacities of 32 and 64 gigs. It has pretty lady hands holding pretty. it. Look at her beige fingernails. That's interesting. Who does beige fingernails anymore? Hand models. Uh, camera has an F2, uh, F2.0 f two lens, optical image stabilization, 13 megapixels. It comes with Lollipop. The operating system may be the candy. I don't know. It would be an interesting pack-in with your Nexus 6 order. Uh, it will uh, ship in November, pre-order in late October. I think it's October 29th. And it will actually be available on all carriers in the U.S., AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, and even Verizon, which is the first time in a long time that's happened. You know what's kind of cool about that phone? Uh, the lollipop next to it? No, the the dual LED ring flash. Ah, okay. You're going to have some really neat effects from the ring flash. It is essentially like the design, like the physical design of the phone looks cool too. I think it's it's basically the Moto X just blown up a little bit. Um, and see, there's, I don't think there's anything else that really stands out to me here in the uh, the the weird and the full specs. Uh, three gigs of memory, that's awesome. Eight hundred two eleven AC two by two, which is cool. Thirty two hundred uh, milliamp hour battery. They're claiming talk time of twenty four hours, uh, internet usage time of eight and a half hours on Wi Fi, seven hours on wireless. We'll see how that goes. And turbocharger gives you six hours of power in one minute. I think that's supposed to be 15 minutes. That's another typo on their uh, spec pages. 15 minutes of charging will give you potentially six hours of usage, which is kind of, uh, kind of interesting. So that's this Nexus 6. It's also going to be really expensive, uh, $649 and $699. It's not really expensive. I mean, it's really expensive compared to what people have expected from Nexus phones, right? That's fair to say. The Nexus 5 was, what, $399 at the top end, right? So uh, it, it's more in line with other high-end smartphones if you buy them off contract. But it's kind of not what people had come to expect from what a Nexus device was. The Nexus 7 was very low-cost, very aggressive. The Nexus 5 was low-cost, very aggressive. Um, Nexus 6, uh, not, not that. Uh, then the Nexus 9 may be more interesting from a technological standpoint in that it is a 9-inch tablet. It is powered by NVIDIA Tegra K1, 
also uh, the version of Tegra K1 that has the 64-bit Denver cores in them, not the um, uh, ARM Cortex-A15 cores. So this is an 8.9-inch, 2048 by 1536-inch resolution screen, 6700 milliamp hour battery. It also has the Lollipop operating, operating system, but it has that Denver K1 in it. What do you expect from that, Josh? Uh, it's going to be faster than the Apple's 64-bit processor. It's going to be probably faster than the A57-based units. I mean, AMD, uh, not AMD, NVIDIA spent a lot of time designing this from the ground up. Uh, they have some interesting things in that because memory is cheap anymore in these devices, they have 128 megs in main memory that they use for this translation program. Uh, so they get commands. Uh, common ones are translated very, very quickly. Uncommon ones take a little bit more time. But still, supposedly, it outperforms uh, ARM V8 native architectures hmm. with what they do. So it's going to be interesting to see what NVIDIA is actually yeah. put out to market. And I mean, I'm sure you're going to be benchmarking this like the wind. And it'll be interesting to see because uh, NVIDIA needs a big win here. Their Tegra stuff so far has yeah. not performed as admirably as they were hoping, especially for their investors. That's K- fair. K1 kind of beats almost every SOC th- out there right now. I don't think it's about benchmark performance. I think he's talking about um, acceptance, adoption Yeah, but performance. I-, I think even... We've seen a little bit of an uptick on that. And being in a Nexus phone this, will help. This, I mean, this tablet. is this, the Shield tablets are great. You got the Xiaomi device. What was the other thing? There was the uh, TK Some Chromebooks. One. A couple well, of the Chromebooks. TK1 doesn't count. TK1 doesn't count. This, this is this is more interesting to me because it is this is the first device with a Denver in it. Period. Um, outside of uh, of test devices. So uh, well, that CES we saw them boot up an operating system on it. 64 bit, fantastic. Hey, look, we can scroll now. This this device is supposed to uh, go on pre order tomorrow, the 17th, 16th, 17th, one of those days, and shipping um, uh, by November 3rd. So available very soon. Um, it's a really interesting device. Like I, I really want to try it, mostly because I want to see how that SOC goes in there, and I, I you know, trying out lollipop and all that stuff works out too. Um, do we know what Lollipop brings to the table in terms of features and performance? Well, 64-bit current. 64-bit support is That's key nice. there. Um, and it has a lot of UI changes. There are a lot of performance changes. There's a lot of multitasking changes. Uh, but I honestly haven't read up on enough of the, uh, the Android L stuff yet. But obviously we need to now that we're going to get devices that have it in there. So there's going to be an LTE version as well. This is also... I don't. I guess this isn't super expensive. You're looking at 399 for the 16 gig model, and 479 for the 30 for the 32 gig model. So it's cheaper than the Nexus Six. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. But Nexus Six has it has an LTE radio in it. It has. Well, the LTE version of this is 599 for it's, 16 gigs. 32. 32. Mm. Yeah, so it's this is still cheaper. Like, the LTE version of the tablet is cheaper than the phone, which is... Just carry on a 9-inch tablet as your phone. It's odd. <laughs> right? Just... <laughs> Hello? 
I mean, you're not. It's not that much bigger than the six inch. It's true. It's only it's only about three inches. Three inches more. Three inches larger diagonal diameter. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit odd. I mean, the camera is better in the the Nexus Six. The the uh, I, I bet Nvidia is cutting is a bit of a deal on SOCs. Nvidia might be cutting the deal. I think this is a big deal for Nvidia um, because not just that Denver is out, but that Denver's out in a Google Nexus device, meaning that Google will make sure that Android is working correctly with Denver, right? Maybe giving them a a foot in and and other doors down the road as well. So and it's being supported. In software, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I will either be uh, getting one from Nvidia or buying one the day after tomorrow. So, God, I hope I don't have to buy it. I'm just tired of buying hardware. Tab- I got shelves of tablets, shelves of tablets. Um, our last little bit of news here. I don't know why I added this in because I thought it looked funny. Arrow Cool launches colorful, impractical X Predator Cube chassis. How many of these you want to buy, Josh? Three. Three? In that color. <laughs> but look at the fins in the back. I mean, you've, if you get some hydraulics on there, wow. you know, once the things start heating up, it opens up the fins. That and looks it, like it, that it looks, Alienware case design. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking, too, Ken. <laughs> they totally ripped that off. But didn't the Alienware design, like, actually move? Yeah. Yeah, they had, they had motors, uh, temperature-based motors. That's a pretty cool idea. Does this do that? No. 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 <laughs> this is a mini ITX or micro ATX case, it looks like, uh, based on the design here. I, I don't know. It looks okay. I like that red and black theme on there, too. Bright green, baby. I imagine NVIDIA will buy a handful of these to take to shows. Uh, <laughs> to, yeah, I, don't, I don't really I don't, I don't know. It's wide, but, you know, it wider is. is better. $125. That seems kind of steep. Apparently, the fins do move. Maybe just not automatically. The fins do move, but not automatically. Open and shut switch for the top ventilation. It says it right there. And they're powered by you. <laughs> they're powered by... They're eco-friendly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's, that's an interesting little thing. If you want to see outskirts of case design, if you will. Let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Uh, mine is interesting. I just got this in today. This is... Uh, I've talked about it many times that we have a Sonos system at our house that I really like. This is the brand new Sonos Boost, and it is essentially, uh, I guess it's a range extender for your Sonos system. I think uh, Alan's not here to to verify. I think Alan has a Sonos, but only has one device, right? He has a soundbar. I think he has a Sonos soundbar, but that's the only one device. If you have lots of devices throughout your house, the idea is that they create a mesh network between them and they don't actually use your local network. They just kind of – one of those devices feeds off your network to get an internet connection. Um, Apparently, they were having issues with uh, you know these units being spread out uh, and dropouts in music or slow response times and transitions. So they basically have updated their hardware a little bit to support higher range, uh, higher power wireless signals. So apparently what this Sonos Boost does is it replaces the bridge in your system and allows you to, I think it's, what did I say it was? It's a 3x3 antenna setup, and it's 2.4 and 5 gigahertz, uh, and it's a uh, it's a 360, right? So you put this in the middle of kind of where your everything is, and it basically extends the range, and it will improve connectivity for your Sonos system. And I think this is going to be 99 bucks, so a fairly reasonable, especially for Sonos hardware pricing wise, a fairly reasonable addition into your configuration. So if you have a uh, 
a Sonos setup at all, uh, and you've ever noticed any kind of uh, stability issues or compatibility, not compatibility issues, but just timing issues or dropouts of, of audio when you're listening to it, this might be something worth uh, looking into. And it looks like it is on Amazon today, even uh, for sale already uh, for 99 bucks. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where we're at. Sonos boost, if you will. Josh. Yes. You know what? You can never have enough game clients on your PC. Just, just ask you play. Okay. Yeah. Or that one that the Russians guy did. I think it was why you play. Why you play? Why you play is the 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 Wings of Fury or some I thing. I can't remember. So it's terrible, terrible, and it was shut down very, very shortly. Uh, GOG.com, your favorite inexpensive old games guys. They've brought out Galaxy. If you join their Galaxy client, you can get AVP, the original, for free. Free. So and this apparently, this is a Steam competitor? Sure. But you know what? It's not DRM. <laughs> Who cares no. about DRM? No. You own it and it works. And it's cheap Ownership. games. In in They're 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 destroying ownership. They're, they're That's the, not good. But I want to own the stuff I bought. Can they just take it away from me at any time? There, yeah, no no. Because oh, no. you got it. It's all but then I own yours. It. No, no, as long as you have the C- original CD, you're okay, Ken. Do I have to go to the manual and find the specific word and type it in? Yeah, y- yes, you do. <laughs> Page 19, paragraph 3. Physical rights second management. Second word. I guess, I, I guess this could be cool. I guess I'd try this. I'd sign up for that. I'd sign up for that free beta. That's what I'm telling you. In Aliens vs. Predator, I played the crap out of that game. Many, 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 Back many, many years ago. I think it was in high school. Yes, that. you were, unfortunately. That was actually a really fun multiplayer game. They had computers then? Yeah, they were slow. No, no, that to let you know, 3, 3D Ken, capabilities is, were uh, Justin and I, I would bring my computer to Justin's house at his mom's house. Obviously, we were in high school and put our computers on the dining room table. Uh, that was, anyway. <laughs> you didn't have girlfriends, did you? Uh, I don't know, but <laughs> anyway. It was a lot more fun back then, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right, Maury. Put effort into it. Exactly. A 50 pound monitor and a 30 pound case. <laughs> yeah, you did. Maury, yeah. what's your pick? My pick is a test bench. All I've right, probably shown one? this before. Uh, Premature makes a really nice test bench made out of acrylic. Um, it comes in clear, comes in black, comes in white, and you can basically pick any color motherboard tray you want on it. Um, the one I have, I'm going to be putting up a review of it. Soon, probably within the next couple of weeks, um, just I have literally no time. But uh, the one I have has a carbon fiber uh, top. The nice thing about this is it's very customizable. It fits basically any size water cooling kit it could. On mine, I have a, uh, a 4x120 rad running on it um, and a, um, a, you know all sorts of stuff. But you can basically customize the layout of the motherboard tray uh, so you can run switches through it. You can run tubing through it, hmm. uh, buttons, whatever. It, it's just it's a really nice system. Yeah. Um, it's it's not too bad. I mean, it's it's cost about you know all said and done, it's about 150 for the base kit. And depending on what um, 
retailer you go to, you can usually get pretty good deals. I, I uh, for this one, for this kind of stuff, I usually go to performance PCs because they their prices are pretty good and they don't kill you on shipping too bad. Um, but 150 bucks or 140 bucks for a test bench, an open air test bench, isn't bad at all. Especially, you know, it's very high quality. So it's 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 not a bad unit at all, and and it is you do have a lot of configuration options with it, and you can get aftermarket parts for it as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, just found an installation video on YouTube looking at yeah. seeing how that works. So, so but the, but I will have you know we will have like a review on this thing uh, again in, in sometime in the next few weeks to a month you know so all right. Very cool. Uh, I guess that's going to round up the show for us. Uh, Jeremy and Alan say, hey, we'll see you next week. Um, and again, PC per, the URLs you need to know, of course, pcper.com slash podcast. That's where the RSS is, the downloads for the MP3s, the YouTube videos are embedded there. Uh, and pcper.com slash subscribe to sign up for a mailing list. Uh, we will have a uh, another Borderlands game stream next week with lots of prizes to give away. So make sure you sign up for that. Make sure you're aware of that. Uh, we did create a public Google calendar that we'll be sharing on the website very soon on underneath the schedule. If I can remember to do that this week, um, we'll have that there. So if you just want to subscribe through Google calendar, RSS, XML or whatever, uh, you'll have that capability as well. Um, anything else I'm forgetting? I don't think so. I guess that's it until next week. Guys, uh, the fall is going to be awesome for PC gaming. There's a ton of games coming out and uh, PC hardware will be exciting as well. I can tell you it is already exciting. It will be more exciting uh, in the not too distant future. So stick around. What I'm saying is listen next week, please, you know, just, just hang out. It'll be cool. Um, I guess that's it guys. We'll see you next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Jersh. I'm Ari. Yeah. Yeah. Mix it up. 